Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and we are coming to you on a Sunday evening. You, of course, listening to us on a Monday morning or afternoon, whenever you're joining us. Uh, thank you for listening and welcome. We are only we are under two weeks from the Cubs opening the regular season in Texas Oof. against the Rangers, and so we are running out of spring training off-season podcasts. Brendan, this is really, uh, I think, the second to last one. We'll have one more in the midweek, and then it's uh, about time to kick into season preview time. So one more episode of us clowning around, and uh, then it's, you know, time to break down real baseball. But Brendan actually coming to us this evening from Arizona. He managed to attend a Cubs baseball game and at least as far as I know, nobody got hurt. Nobody's dead. So that's a plus. Uh, usually not necessarily the case when one Brendan Miller attends games in person. Very true. Very true. But I, I want to throw it to you right away here and g- give us give us the, the, the firsthand experience of, of Cubs spring training from Sloan Park. Oh, man. I could talk about this for an hour, but uh, I've been going to spring training. First off, I... I went to college in Arizona. So I've been going to spring training every year for like a decade, basically. And I got to say, this spring training was so much different than even last year and all the years past in the Madden era. And we've heard so much just about what Joe is doing on the field. And we talked with Jordan Bastion about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, about how Joe is doing more drills with the team on the field. And it's evident, like, that was, like, it kind of exceeded my expectations, Corey. So I got to the field around 1030, and Joe is out there setting the field up. Like, he's setting the L screen up, preparing the drills, and the Cubs are shifting around in, like, five to six men hitting groups. So they go, they hit with uh, Ioposi, then they come over to the, kind of the main practice field closest to the stadium, and Joe Madden is basically, like, I think, what, 30 feet away with the pitching machine. And like what Jordan was saying, he's throwing, not throwing, he's putting these uh, these baseballs into the pitching machine and is simulating 90 mile per hour fastballs. And before each pitch, Joe is calling out the situations and he's doing so within like five seconds in between pitches. So he, he, he holds up the baseball, he says, all right, guy on first, bunt. And John Lester's in the cage. And so, you know, Joe puts the ball in the in the little thing. It zips right in there at 90 miles per hour. And Lester, of course, Corey, your guy, perfect bunt. But then he also says, okay, you know, guy on first base, hit the ball, go opposite field. And what do they do? 
line drives, left field gap, for at least for Lester. And he was doing that not only for the pitchers, but guys like David Bodie and Ian Happ. And most of the guys I saw were uh, from the from the outfield group besides Bodie. So that was that was really remarkable too, because in years past, Madden just kind of walked around and talked to the players behind the cage, and he would go from field to field. This year was a lot different. It was a tangible difference, and I was not the only one talking about that. A lot of the guys around me who, of course, um, are frequent visitors, we were discussing, like, hey, this is a very noticeable difference. So amongst, like, all the different changes we've seen from, you know, player mechanics, David Bodie gaining 40 pounds, which was, by the way, extremely apparent when I was there, the Joe Madden thing really caught my eye, and it got me pumped up, Corey. Uh, as long as you're excited, Brendan, that's all that all that matters. I, I will say it does speak volumes, I think, for the Sloan Park security that you're allowed on the premises Dude, like, uh, all over, apparently. I mean, on the backfield, I was everything. Like 15, I was like 15 feet away. I was right there, man. And yeah. I, 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 John Lester is a tank. He is a tank. I, I know like you've seen him, of course, because you go to all the games, but being that close to Lester, he is just enormous. I don't know if he like got bigger in the past two years, but he is he's, he's enormous, man. So that's a good transition. I want to at least talk about this for a second, okay? We've been mentioning a lot of the YouTube content that the Cubs have been putting out there, and the series in particular called The Off Season, where in the first episode, we went to the Dominican Republic with Pedro Strope. We, of course, sang the praises of said video on the last episode, but the newest one we got was John Lester uh, on his ranch, and Brendan, I said this to you when it first came out, but I literally could have watched hours of just this content. And basically all it is is John Lester fishing and sitting in a deer stand in almost complete silence. But he's like kind of getting a little philosophical on us. He's he's uh, musing on life and being a big leaguer. He talks a little bit about how it's it's kind of fun but not fun to see some of these younger guys go through uh, successes and failures and, you know, as the veteran kind of being able to watch them go through these different things. And, he, you know, he pointed mm-hmm. to in, in particular how interesting it is to watch a lot of these guys grow up in a culture where they are winning the division every year, making the playoffs every year, going deep in the playoffs winning every year, winning series. the World Series like they did in mm-hmm. 2016. Yes, always a yes, good they reminder. Did. Yes, they did. And... Yep. This was just great, Brendan. I mean, this is the type of stuff where when I say I love John Lester so much, this, it's again, these videos are only six minutes long, but this type of stuff really encapsulates why that is. I just love listening to this guy talk, his his general philosophy <laughs> on baseball, life. He's, he's talking, he, he's, he spends a, a minute or two trying to figure out what to do about this deer that has a broken leg that he's watched grow from a baby. And if he's going to shoot it, it has to be ethical. And, and you're just like, man, I just love all of this. And there was one particular part two of that video where he was saying what he wants to be remembered for. And he didn't say, hey, I want to be remembered as a dominant pitcher, as a guy who was known to go out there in the playoffs and just dominate. He didn't say that. He said, I want to be known as a good teammate. And it sounds familiar, right? Like we know that's what David Ross said, I mean, his entire goodbye tour, essentially, mm-hmm. and still to this day. His book, I think, is verbatim, a good teammate or whatever, just whatever teammate. it is. Yeah. Just teammate. So you can tell like that's that's the influence he's had throughout his career with the veterans mm-hmm. like they want to be remembered as good teammates and he's kind of passing the torch and for for as much crap that the cubs got for a lack of leadership and urgency we've never heard lester talk like that in years past and we know just within the last month and two months with lester talking to the media that he wants to take more of a leadership role and so if that's kind of a sign going forward we're in for a treat because if Lester is going to be more vocal, that's going to be very entertaining. So amongst like, you know, all, all the entertainment videos that the Cubs are putting out, 
that that really caught my attention, and, mm-hmm. I, and I'm looking forward to see what Lester will do this year as more of a of a leader or more of a vocal leader. That is, yeah. And he said in particular uh, along those same lines that he wants to be the type of person that people miss when they're not there anymore. That yeah. when they turn around in yeah. the clubhouse, they are thinking, you know, man, I I wish Johnny Lester was still here. Who wouldn't think that though, Brennan? I mean, I know he's a modest guy, but like, who on earth isn't already thinking that? Um, it, and before we know it, that will be right around the corner. And next year is his that. last year. Isn't that sad? Yeah, it like, is. Where did six years go? Yes, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> I feel like Lester's the type of person, though. Like, if he has another good year next year, they'll they'll you know resign him for a, a fair deal, and he'll 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 pony back up. He'll be a cup for life. I don't he know. Wants I, to you know, and this is like one of those things where we all, you and I always talk about this because now, like, they cut to Mark Pryor and the Dodgers bullpen every five minutes during Ugh. these games. I, yeah. Unless it's the Red Sox, even if it was the Red Sox, if I have to look at John Lester in another uniform as a coach, it's going to make me sick. So, a Dodger uniform? No, you imagine pl- don't even say that. He wouldn't. I'm not. He wouldn't do I'm that. Not, I'm not. He's not an I'm LA not. man. Come on. I'm kind of seeing it though right now. I don't know. Like, it's I, the prior that thing image because it's mind. like it's so jarring, and you're like, man, this is like kind of offensive that they keep showing us By the this. Way, but I think he, I think he like shaved down his beard. I don't know if that was just me being like a little bit too far back, but it looked as if he kind of trimmed the beard, which I was disappointed about. Yeah, I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to look into the beard games once the season starts. All bets are off when it's still spring training. David Bodie's beard though is on point. I got to say, like it, it was very. I mean, it looked like like a Brian Wilson type beard when I was there, and and Bodie was going off. That was the other thing I wanted to mention too. Um, God, Bodie is just hitting the hell out of the mm-hmm. ball. There was like. When they're wearing their level five shirts, not many people know who's batting, especially when you have David Bodie in groups like with uh, Mark Zagunis and, right. you know, some of the guys who are not more of the well-known guys and a casual fan has no idea who's batting. And so, again, I'm around, you know, like 20, 30 fans and you have the guys that are there frequently, but you have the fans there who don't really know who's, like I said, who's batting. So David Bodie comes up. And he's following, who is he following? He was following Zagunis. And he's just hitting the hell out of the ball. Left and right, oppo, center, right field. He's just, I mean, there are lasers over the fence too. He went like deep over center field. This is unbelievable. And people are like, who is this guy? It is noticeable, Corey. And he gained 30, 40 pounds in his bat speed. And he's just blasting balls all over the place. It's that's That's exciting. I think... My biggest takeaways were one, the Joe Maddon thing, but two, like Dave, David Bodie. I, I, I've said it before in the past. I don't know what his role will be, and I'm not saying he deserves to play like 75, 80% of the time. I, from a selfish point of view, I enjoy watching David Bodie play. I particularly enjoy his defense, but the way his bat is developing is really remarkable, I think. It's such a unique career trajectory. And I, I don't know. He's, he's having an incredible spring. It's it's so exciting to me, Corey. And I got my tickets through SeatGeek because getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you guys know, I always use SeatGeek. I use SeatGeek, of course, to these recent spring training games. I'm looking to use SeatGeek for these uh, more West Coast games early on in the season when they return back to Arizona. Since with SeatGeek, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you know you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, our listeners, you guys get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. What do you got to do? Either go to the desktop website and sign up or download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code CUBSRELATED today. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. I do wonder if 40 pounds seems like a lot. Are you making that number up? No, that's a little bit of That seems like a lot does, of weight to, to gain. Yeah, but he's okay. noticeably... He's no, noticeably I, I know that. I'm just though. saying like that's yeah. a lot. Um... 
I'm, I'm in a very optimistic mood. Okay. You know? I came yeah, down classic. from LA to spring training. I'm seeing these guys go. Like, that's who I am right now. Excuse the Brendan is burying let, let the lead here. He got to meet Clark the Cub today and is <laughs> very excited about it. We had a discussion, let's put yeah. it that way. I saw Clark kind of annoying some fans. Can't can't be doing that. You're not Clark. a fan of the, uh, the old fake spider on the fishing pole gag. Not, I don't like yeah. that. I was traumatized by uh, Baxter, the 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 D-back mascot, who used to do all those shenanigans when I was growing up. Can't have that. Got to be watching the game. Got to let the fans, uh, let them be. I think that that, of all the things that we've talked about here on the Cubs-related podcast, I think that last snippet might be the best insight into who Brendan Miller, the person, <laughs> really is. Uh, you know, if you want to dig a little deeper there. But, uh, so that was kind of a little bit of... A recap of Brendan's spring training experience mixed in with us both watching that John Lester video. It didn't necessarily tie in, but we were going to talk about it. I do want to mention, you mentioned the Level 5 shirts, and this is another one of Joe Madden's ideas. Maddenism. A Maddenism, we'll just call it. Sure. He made shirts for everybody. They were wearing them today. So if you were curious on Sunday what was going on with that, um, he described it as this, this again coming from uh, Jordan Bastian of MLB.com, who tweeted out, here are the five levels for major leaguers uh, per Joe Madden. Number one, happy to be here. Number two, survival. Number three, I belong here. I can do this. Number four, make the most money possible. And number five, all I want to do is is win. And granted, uh, that is why all the shirts said level five, meaning that we are all here to win. I, I think I know this, Brendan, but it, as a it. fan, I'm assuming that you're a number two, uh, a survival. That that seems like where you would be on this list. I would add another level to that, to that slogan. Can you guess what it is? You're not going to guess I what it is. So. I'm just going to tell you. Love, level six is just stay healthy. That's what I would do. Like level six, and maybe you can add in level seven, level eight. Level seven, like that, stay hydrated. Stay level healthy eight counts is like, as survival. Like I'm just trying to survive this. That sounds like you. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. I, I got to say, like, I don't think Javi Baez was, was following level two today. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? The Red Bull? Dude, I could not you believe You are so that. weird, Brendan. I can so I'm so I'm watching Quintana's bullpen. I had a great view, by the way. So I'm watching Quintana's bullpen. And right after Wayne Mesmer delivered a phenomenal anthem, by the way, Javi Baez is right next to Rizzo and Brad Brock. Hopefully he's still healthy, uh, level two. And Javi Baez is downing a Red Bull, like chugging a Red Bull and then gets on the car and goes, takes his position at shortstop. Um, You know, we've had cramps issues in the past, not with Javi per se, but I, I feel like downing a Red Bull is not the most intelligent thing to do before you play competitive baseball in their Arizona heat. Am I wrong there, Corey? I mean, probably not, but I. this is one of those moments where I wish this was a video podcast because I think my eyes are going to be stuck in the back of my head with, with all the rolling that they're doing here. Who cares, Brendan? You don't He's see Chris fine. Bryant doing that. You don't see Chris Bryant. I mean, Chris Bryant, he, he, he markets for Red Bull. You don't see him doing that. He's chugging I away at Pediolite probably in that I dugout. I think Javi's got it under control. I wouldn't worry about it. What did he play, five innings today? It's fine. He played pretty well too. Yeah. He had the one, and he did bases, one of those. He did one slide. of his yeah Elmago swim slides, which I love. It. I love that he breaks that out in in spring training too. Like he can't help himself, but like you know that's always his instinct. It's really amazing. Um, it was like a different type of slide too. It was like a more like casual type swim move. He didn't he didn't come back mm-hmm. and like grab the base with his right arm. He just went over the glove and with his left hand just stuck there. I loved it. Well, and a good reminder too. Uh, I'm not sure who was playing. Uh, second or short for the Rockies in this in this instance on this slide but just kind of a reminder like this might be spring training brother but this is still Javi Baez like you gotta be <laughs> like on another level to try to get this guy out um, but so I do want to transition to just the starting pitching performances that we did get uh, since we last spoke uh, obviously we came to you guys on Thursday morning so we have four games uh, to discuss we had you Darvish going again he went four innings three hits one earned run two walks five strikeouts he was sitting in the mid 90s again reports were that he was uh, a little wilder in this particular start uh, but was able to work through it and you know again he, he 
velo looks good, health looks good. Um, there's going to be starts like that in spring where, you know, I I, I want to say that uh, Brett Taylor from Bleacher Nation was at this game and said that um, it was the fastball command in the lower portion of the zone. And, you know, that's yeah. something that, you know, you work on in spring training. That's what these games are for to kind of uh, get that better feel for everything, get the, the touch of all your all your pitches. So, not not really concerned. He he's still striking guys out. Velo looks good. Was able to go uh, the four innings, throw the amount of pitches that they wanted him to. All good in in my book on you uh, Darvish there in his last start here. Then we had Cole Hamels. He went three point two, five hits, five earned, three walks, four strikeouts. Obviously not a great outing for Cole. Again, I remain uh, unconcerned, I think, especially with the exact results. And I think for Hamels and Lester, like, I'm not going to be looking too much into anything until it's the regular season and they are dialed up to, you know, 11 on on the dial here because I, you know, these guys in their mid-30s, I'm not really that concerned with what they're... When they get to level five. Oh, Wow, that was like you way like too clever. It took me a second. Like, oh, I know. Oh, right. We oh, right. Like we made. just talked about. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Uh, then we had Hendricks go on Saturday. He went three and a third, five hits, one run, two walks, two strikeouts. A solid outing for the professor. And then we had Jose Quintana go today, and Quintana gives up his first runs of the spring, naturally, the first one coming on a Daniel Murphy home run, so that's nice and annoying for everyone. Uh, But he goes four, four hits, two earned, two walks, three strikeouts, continues to look good. Again, the reports on him, uh, Velos are looking good, his stuff looks good, he looks confident out there, so... I think all things considered uh, a good stretch of starts, really just reading them because, you know, I think those are the pitching performances that most of us are, you know, really dialed in on. Um, But I don't think anything, you know, necessarily jumping out as either concerning or amazing, but everybody, you know, getting through their stuff, getting their work in. So I think that's fine. Dylan Maples did go on Friday just to update on, you know, those that last bullpen spot and some of the guys we've been keeping an eye on. He went an inning. He did walk someone, but he also struck someone out. Uh, I think looked good in this game. And as I am looking at the box scores, I don't see any. Uh, I don't see Edwards uh, in any of these from the last few days. We did get Tyler Chatwood also on Saturday. He went one and two thirds, uh, no walks, no hits, no runs, and a strikeout. So a good oh we got mike montgomery by the way i wanted i wanted yes. to quickly mention also on that. saturday uh, yeah yeah so monty came in uh what did he do he threw two innings two hits no runs yep. one walk one strikeout yeah and his velo was sitting around 91 92 kind of what you expect in spring training and from monty uh out in more of like a, a long type of relief role looked pretty good was uh, uh showing the change up showing the curveball showed a cutter sinker fastball the whole five pitch repertoire and that was my one key thing to look for as spring training started was Monty's health because he had that shoulder issue so far it looks pretty good so that was encouraging for me yeah so uh another name I, I don't think we've really talked about him a lot um though that is is going to be in that bullpen mix at some point I don't know necessarily to break camp um as that's obviously going to depend probably more on where guys like Dunsing and Kinsler and Chatwood are as they're a little trickier to deal with uh, in terms of their options and stuff. But Alan Webster has had a a very good spring so far. He's thrown nine innings total of work. Uh, He's got 10 strikeouts in those nine innings, a two ERA, um, and, you know, just continues to to look good. He's impressing. Um, I know you've mentioned him on here before, but Brian Smith at Cubs Prospects, the uh, minor league writer for Bleacher Nation, has been talking about him pretty much the entirety of this spring training, that he continues to come in, look good, velos are looking really good, and he's getting good results. So, again, I'm not really sure when we can expect to see all of these guys. It's really going to depend on uh, where the the major league guys, if you will, are when they're ready to break camp and whether they're, you know, either going to cut bait with some of these guys or use the options for some of these guys. So it's hard to say exactly, but Webster 
making a, a case for himself at least some point during this 2019 season. Yeah, he's throwing like uh, Brian was saying between 94 to 96. And Webster was a former top prospect. I remember back in the days, even when he was coming up with the Dodger system, um, and he was the top dog. I, I remember like in that 20, uh, 2008 season, there were some rumors with uh, some some Cubs rumors actually with, with Alan Webster connected to him. So it's been a long haul for him. He was drafted. When was he drafted? He was drafted in 2008. And it's taken him a long time to get back here. I, I, I was impressed by him, by him even in, in last season in his three innings. But he has pretty filthy stuff. And he's had injuries in the past and whatever. But he's the type of guy. like He, he kind of follows that same Brandon Morrow trajectory in terms of Morrow as a top prospect. Had health injuries. Had some struggling type seasons and he came through and made his career as a successful reliever so it's not out of the realm of possibility that alan webster can do that now like you said Corey, it's whether or not he will break camp with with this team but i i doubt it for a few reasons one is if the cubs do have some you know at least two or three of their current injured guys go on the dl once they're back they're gonna have to boot webster off the 40 man to get him back down to triple a so they're, they're going to send him through waivers which might be an issue for them so i see webster more as kind of a depth piece in case something drastic happens early on in in the early part of the season just to preserve his control so i i would be surprised if he breaks camp with the cubs but it would be cool if he does because if that's the case then that means Theo and, and Jed are kind of committing to him long term, or at least in my mind, that's how it comes across. So again, you know, there's a number of these guys to to keep an eye on. Um, obviously, I think you guys know that Brendan and I aren't particularly pumped about the Dunsing Kinsler contingent. Uh, and of course, I saw both of those guys uh, today, just as a nice treat to me. Yeah, not a um, not a great day not for for. One Brian Dunsing. Um, he went. <laughs> Kinsler looked pretty good, though. Yeah, Kinsler going one and two thirds, two hits, two strikeouts, no runs, no walks. Uh, but Dunsing going a third of an inning, four hits, four runs. We've seen that outing before from him. That's yeah. just an outing yeah. that uh, does not sound, uh, you know, unfamiliar. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, that's the the state of the bullpen. We also, I think Kerry Musket tweeted today that Brandon Morrow is going to throw that bullpen soon. I think we have an exact day. It might be tomorrow, Monday, when you guys are listening to this. Um, yes, he will throw off a mound for the first time on Monday the 18th, so today when you guys are listening to this, and he expects to miss around the first month of the season. So that's just what it is. Um, I don't you know, know if that's like an exact timeline or what, but that's what Carrie's saying. So uh, that's what we're going to take. I think that's around what we were all kind of expecting. Um, but yeah. at this point, whatever it takes for him to be healthy and for the Cubs to, you know, not be holding their breath every time he goes out there. You want him to be healthy and you want him to be usable. So I think however long that takes, it's going to be worth it. Um, we did get kind of a, not an official update, but several of the beat writers over the last couple days since we last spoke saying that Pedro Strope still throwing in very good spirits, jogging at times. Sounds like he's fine. Like whatever it was, they caught it. They traded it right away. Not something to be super concerned about. Uh, so hopefully something that once he gets back on a mound, you know, in over the next week or so, I think is what they were initially hoping for. We can move on and pretend that that little scare uh, didn't happen. But yeah, not, uh, you know, think yeah, ex- exactly. Something that, yeah, <laughs> I think God. was worth worrying about, but luckily was not something super serious. But I want to move, Brennan, to uh, Daniel Descalso has been dealing with a little bit of an injury, and I want to—we've talked about the position player battle that is going to go on. Obviously, if Descalso had to start the year on the injured list, that would open up another bench spot, and, you know, there are some guys making a name for themselves in this spring training, so perhaps we can talk about that. Um, I think Mark Sagunas, who you already mentioned, comes to mind. Uh, Christian Adames is another name that has performed well in the spring and that maybe could get that shot. 
But I want to ask you, and we have talked, you and I, pretty relentlessly that we are not going to dig into exact results or numbers or things like that from spring training and kind of just look at things from a broader perspective and understand that this is what spring training is for. But I, I do just want to ask you, as we look at the, this position player battle, right, and and especially last year, it had, we had different guys platooning and getting you know, less playing time at times, much to the chagrin of their their various diehard fan bases. Um, <laughs> but I, I just wanted to ask you, in the 41 at bat, and I'm not, this is MLB.com. We, all, you, we always go through this, you guys. It just is how it is. I don't know if they've updated this. I think that they have. But MLB.com is sometimes weird about when they update it. So maybe it doesn't include today. I don't know. Ian Happ, 41 at bats. He's got a 146 batting average, uh, a 400 OPS. He has not homered in the spring. And he has, let me see here, eight strikeouts in those 41 at-bats over the course of spring training. So I am not looking at that going, oh my God, he's got a 146 average. He stinks. You know, get him off the team. I'm, I'm just asking you, do we care at all? Does it matter at all that Ian Happ has had a pretty bad spring. And in contrast, we look across or, you know, to the person that he was kind of splitting playing time with a good bit to Albert Almora, who has led off uh, a good bit, you know, and I think that's somewhere where we may see him in the regular season, of course. Uh, But he's led off a couple games this spring with home runs. He's got a 382 batting average, 1000 OPS, again, only 34 at bats, not digging into these numbers exactly. But I guess I'm just asking, does it matter at all as we're, you know, now under, you know, we're about when you guys are listening, it's like 10 days from the regular season. Do we care at all that they're kind of having very different springs? Well, I care that Almora is playing better. Okay. Um, here's why. One, it goes back to what we were saying for the last at least three episodes. When a player makes a noticeable change and that's followed by noticeable success i take notice to that the changes almora made were one to his batting stance and his stride he's using more of a leg kick and he's going back to more of his days when he was even drafted by the cubs two he got trimmer he lost i think 15 20 pounds noticeably more like fit and slim i I don't know whatever you want to say it's noticeable so I, i i do care about that on the other hand with hap i Look, it's 40 plate appearances. You can make the same argument with with Almora, but with Hap, he looks good. I've watched plate appearances. Again, 40 plate appearances is really nothing. He struck out, what what did you say, eight times? Mm -hmm. That's a 24% strikeout rate. But again, it's 40 plate appearances in spring training. And you go watch Ian Hap uh, during batting practice. The guy's just poking homers the opposite portion of the field. Like it's nothing. Like he's playing pepper with the wall. And his demeanor around the guys is positive. Personally, like what I was most impressed with half this off or this spring training when I was watching him, uh, even on TV, was his defense. His defense looks better at second base. So if Descalso is out, which right now, I I, I got to say, I, I'd be surprised if he's healthy by opening day. We're like 10 days away. He's completely shut down from baseball activities. There's going to be playing room at second base among Bodie and Zobras, and you throw Hap in that mix. I would be surprised if Hap is not at least rotated in in that second base slot. But back to your point, if you're comparing Hap and Almora, like to some degree, I am encouraged by Almora for those two reasons: his body composition and his and his different mechanics. And as far as Hap goes. I, I don't really see any cause for concern. I'm not going to freak out that he only has a few base hits and 40 plate appearances in spring training. I would freak out if he was injured or he looked drastically different for the worse, and neither of those are true. So that that's where I am. And despite Almora looking better, the the opinion, I think, for, for you and I, Corey, and maybe I'm speaking for yourself, but I've always been, at least for the past year and a half, more of like a Hap guy. If I had to pick Hap or Amora, I would pick Hap. And that's just because he has that 30-plus homer potential. He has the multi-position flexibility. 
He's continuing to improve. He has the athleticism, the speed. And Amora is more of kind of a narrow focus type player. He's a good defender, but he's only probably going to max out, at least unless something drastically changes, around 10 homers if he plays a full season. So I've always been operating under the assumption that Hap is my guy, and I'm still going to do that. So I think the answer is kind of your question, and I think you and I kind of have the same thought. Like, yeah, I want to see Hap play more. If I have to pick between Hap or Amora to get more in playing time, it would be Hap. That being said, Dalskaso's injury does open up the possibility that both those guys will get an equal opportunity. Yeah, I think we're mostly on the same page there. But Discalso dealing with a shoulder thing, uh, Mark Gonzalez tweeting that he's hoping to resume swinging a baseball bat on Tuesday. Of course, swinging a baseball bat. But you know what? Still, again, that's like a week and a half away. That's like for him to get ready. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll see. I I wouldn't be surprised if he started on the injured list or not. So uh, I think we'll, you know, obviously know more this week once he start swinging again and and getting back in games or whatever but i yeah i don't i don't care really on this i mean we we also saw we've mentioned this before but we saw the exact opposite last spring with Ian Happ where he was you know one of the best players in the Cactus League and exactly. starts the season with a home run and you know it kind of just goes downhill from there so you know, you don't want to read too much into this. You don't want to put too much importance in it. I, I do think it's it's worth mentioning just because there are so many, I, I guess, uncertainties as to where the playing time is going to go for this team that it, you know, at least to start the year, any kind of advantage you may be able to get in Joe Madden's eyes might be a valuable one. And, you know, if Almora has, continues to have a good spring, gets those early opportunities and capitalizes on them, you know, then it, it it kind of goes from there. So I think that's really the only reason I I kind of brought up the question. It's just that, you know, you know, you mentioned David Bodie and he's looking good. He had an opposite field home run the other day. You know, sometimes if a guy gets get a chance it. for whatever reason, you know, they're sometimes you never look back on stuff like that so it, it it's no, just I get, and trust me i get it yeah it like but yeah i i don't really care i'm certainly not altering my my if i had a plan for ian Happ going into the year i'm not going to change it based on spring training but it, it's just when you have a competition among so many players it is uh interesting and i will say um i know that you said that we're probably both hap guys generally um but what i will tell you is that is definitely not the predominant standpoint amongst uh the cubs fans that i come across on social media uh because <laughs> i posted the other day on the cubs related instagram which is uh cubs underscore related and We'll touch on this in a second, but Madden basically said that he envisions the lineup going leadoff, Bryant, Rizzo, Baez. Not really a surprise. We've seen that a lot. But I asked, who's your leadoff man, right? If this is the middle, you know, if this is the heart of the order, who's your leadoff man? I'm looking at it now. It looks like about 60-something comments. Jason, If I said that every single one of them was, it's got to be Almora, he should play every day, Madden is nuts that he doesn't play him every day, I think I'd be pretty accurate in telling you that. Um, Not exactly all of them, but pretty close. Um, And I see that on, you know, the Cubs social media as well. So... It is, I I guess I'm just musing on that. There's really not a point to that, but it's just like, honestly, Almora might have the most passionate and devoted fan base of anyone, maybe save Baez on this team. And I don't say that uh, in jest at all. If you look at things where a question is asked and Almora could be the answer, there are a lot of people jumping in uh, to the defense of one Albert Almora Jr., yeah, and I I posed a poll earlier in the offseason, too, asking, who do you want? Do you want Almora or do you want Hap to get, I think I asked, like 500 mm-hmm. plate appearances in center field? It was 50-50. Like it was, I forgot how many votes there were, but that's the consensus. It, it's, a, it's a toss-up right now. And the argument for Almora is his floor is higher because you can predict his defense with more reliability. And I, I, I buy that and I get that. 
But again, it goes to at least my perspective as thinking, okay, if you can slot in Hap, and let's say everything comes together for Hap this year, that's a really interesting player because Hap's baseline in his first two years has been an above league average player. His WRC plus last year, Corey, was 329, I think. I don't have it up in front of me, but I'm pretty pretty dang sure it was 329. That's, uh, or his Woba, rather. His WRC plus was, a, I think, 101, 102, regardless. That was kind of a down season in a lot of people's eyes, which is crazy to me to think about because he was 23 years old when his season started last year. So, so mm-hmm. if everything goes right for Hap, and he continues to improve, and he doesn't have one of those bad months like he had last year in April because he's learned, because he's adapted, because now this will be his second full year with the Cubs starting at opening day. That That is why I want to see him get more of a chance and hopefully get more, I guess, grace in case he goes through like a week or two of a slump. That being said, and nothing suggests this is going to happen, but I've always been under the mindset that Almora has more room for power. And again, no number suggests this. His hyper-aggressive plate approach, his poor numbers in both the minors and his time with the Cubs does not suggest it. But I don't know. I always thought he had more room for power if he just changed something. And for David Bodie, the change was getting his contact point further up in front. I can see maybe that's something that could be worked on with Albert Almora. I don't, I, I don't know. And we saw him hit that homer, that leadoff homer against a righty, hit the hot, the hell out of the ball. So I can see that being a possibility. I just don't think it's realistic. And I think for Hap, it is more realistic. I think he has way more potential. I mean, imagine having another really flexible player that can go to third base, to second base, to center field, left field, right field, with 30 homer pop. That's that's an insane asset to have, and that that's that's why I want to see Hap get more of a shot. Nothing against Almora, but I, if you're gonna put my my cards on one bet, I'm going with Hap. Well, and one thing to note that I think is amazing, and it and we we talk about, or at least you read a lot sometimes that you know the Cubs farm system is not in the best place, et cetera, et cetera. We always go back to Theo's quote. I think at this point, you guys could probably read it verbatim with how much we bring it up, uh, that <laughs> you know the it. best farm system is when they're playing at the major league level with World Series rings on their finger, an all-time quote, really. That should be on his gravestone, probably. But talking about Theo Epstein's gravestone is extremely noticeable. Well, but in an honor, no, I don't think so. It, you're allowed to do that. Um, okay. okay. But the, 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 the thing I just wanted to point out is that this discussion involves two 24-year-olds, right? That's cool. That's a good thing for the organization. Like, yeah. we're debating which of these 24-year-old guys should be getting more playing time, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses, and they've both contributed at the major league level for years now. And so I think that that's not something that should be ignored in a discussion like this. You know, obviously Almora has been in the organization longer. He was drafted out of high school, but it's, these are still 24-year-olds. So, uh, you know, I think, and a lot of this happened last year too. We talked about this endlessly when Hap was struggling that, you know, you need to do what's best for the team. Ultimately, like the team needs to win, but let's not forget that these are young guys. Like these are not like old throwaway players if they stink like we talk about brian dunsing right for example like no offense to dunsing great guy but if he's not good you got to move on like this is not someone you're investing in long term right almora and hap that is not the case these are young guys they're 24 year olds so it's important to get this right and important to you know get the most out of them like you said you're talking about the the ceilings that each of them had like they're still trying to tap into that like we're not done with that yet like these guys are 24 years old so i think and that's what lester was saying too like he was saying it's it's fun and not fun to watch them learn as they're winning championships Mm -hmm. and so that's that's i think like we that's a perfect example of what lester is saying in one sense it sucks to have had that april that he had last year but Nevertheless, he came back and he had a pretty damn good rebound soon thereafter. And I always point this out, but I do think it's important to mention, and I think I've said this on the podcast at least three or four times, 
But if you look at players under 26 years old, Corey, and you look at walk rate, you look at just quantity of homers, the two guys that are in the top five of that age bracket are one, Ian Happ, and two, Kyle Schwarber. Both, yeah, exactly. Both were perceived to have underperforming seasons last year. That that shows the expectations for this team and also shows the potential for this team. Because I think even you and I, like we 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 have higher expectations for Schwarber and for Hap. But if someone like if David Bodie had Ian Hap's year last year, we would be ecstatic. And that's not that's not what mm-hmm. happened. We're kind of going into the 2019 expecting more from Ian Hap. So I do think it's a good point that you're mentioning. And if if everything works to the Cubs' favor, then they're getting another guy under team control for four more seasons that's going to be in the top 80% of most valuable players in, in the league. And I'm not saying that with any type of hyperbole, Corey. Yeah, well, and I, you know, I'm just thinking about it. There, There is another universe, Brendan, where that Albert Almora home run off of Kershaw in game one of the 2017 NLCS is like one of the bigger home that runs in... Cubs lore. I, I, you know, I was there, right? So was like, I. I. I was right there. I, I yeah. know you were. And uh, I mean, did for we all go the to that crap you together? gave me for going to these games, what's <laughs> did that? we go to that game together? <laughs> we weren't actually. I don't think next so. To I, I legit don't remember. No. That would be funny though. We're both like, yeah, I was there. Like, yeah, we went. To, <laughs> we went together. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and and you know, to that Lester point too. And then I think we can move on from this, but. Uh, you know, Almora's a good example of that. Like, he has that big moment tagging up, of course, in the World Series. And, you know, has... He has a catch in San Francisco. And right. Field and, and extras, you know, has yeah. had, obviously, his ups and downs to a degree. You know, he was really not good in the second half of 2018. Like, startlingly bad numbers. Um, but, it you know, it, it speaks to what Lester was talking about. That these guys are very young and they're they're growing up in a situation with the Cubs where it's not you know, just losing a hundred games every year. It's, they're in huge moments and they get a chance to, you know, live the highest highs and, you know, some of the lowest lows. So it's uh, an interesting situation to monitor. And I, and I, I wanted to, you, you made me think of something too, when you mentioned Schwarber. I like that Kyle Schwarber is kind of flying under the radar this spring training in a, in a sense because yeah, obviously not much has been said about him yeah right? and i like that because in 2017 of course the cubs are coming off again uh stop me if you've heard this before but winning the world series uh they did win the world that, series of yes, course yep. kyle schwarber plays an integral and you know storybook right newsworthy role in with his comeback from the knee injury in such a short time and how good he was in the world series etc so you know obviously a big spotlight in that 2017 spring training heading into you know a year where he was supposed to be healthy etc obviously that goes the way it goes but we'll leave that for another day and then last year you know he had that big uh weight loss body transformation thing where he showed up and everybody was like whoa like who is this guy and what did you do with Kyle Schwarber I kind of like that he's you know he's he's made some changes to his swing he's gone back to more of what he was doing at Indiana um Mm -hmm. but I like that people aren't really talking about him because He's one of those guys that I think deserves to have people talking about him. You shouldn't forget about Kyle Schwarber, but I think for him and for the Cubs, let people forget about him. Like, I think that's fine. I think that everyone will probably be reminded of him pretty shortly uh, because that's how good he is and how good he can be. But I kind of like that we're not really focused so much on Kyle Schwarber this spring training. It's funny, too, because under the same light, I think one of the common themes this offseason and this spring training has been a return to roots. And so we we talked about this the last two years. Like The Cubs consistently try to stay ahead of the curve by changing their mechanics. And we've seen that over and over and over again, even dating back to when Jorge Soler was a Cub. And this offseason has been different. And rather than, you know, going out and getting someone like a Jim Hickey or a Chili Davis, what did they do? They went back to their 2014, 2015 days. They went in, they got back Anthony Iaposi, they promoted Tommy Hadavi. You got Omora, who's going back to his batting mechanics when he was drafted. Schwarber, the same thing when he was going back to Indiana. 
this is this is interesting. It's a complete philosophical change, I think. And that was something we talked about during that fuming end of season podcast, saying oh, maybe what they were doing necessitates a philosophical change. And to some degree, I think we are seeing that. We're seeing them get back to their roots. And I think you're exactly right. Like we're hearing nothing about Schwarber. I have not even heard one central piece highlighting Schwarber's offseason resume or any type of like major change. We saw that one athletic piece, but it wasn't, you know, nowhere near what we heard in in last offseason when he was losing, you know, 30 pounds. And so I think Schwarber and Elmora and Hadevi and Ayaposi, it's it just goes to show you that maybe that philosophical change is just getting back to what made the Cubs good to begin with and not trying to do too much. And I, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, I think sure. it's it's very interesting. And for a lot of the lack of activity that the Cubs had in the offseason, the internal activity was extremely active. And I I think you're exactly right. I think it will be fun to watch Schwarber kind of not have that, that spotlight on him like he's had the last two seasons. Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of where we are. Um, in I, I don't recall if this was the in between the days of our last podcast or not, but they they did talk to Theo. They they said that they were reviewing potential options for the bullpen, but that Keg, Craig Kimbrell is not one of them. So uh, I know. I don't think any of us were really Ugh. expecting that, um, but just a heads up. It, in my dr- in my dream, yeah, was it was brought it. up, and I don't think it's it's going to happen. So um, I, I'm pretty sure this is the group we're looking at. Still wild that he doesn't have a team. Him and Dallas Keuchel. Um, <laughs> I know. I, I, you know, I don't know what kind of offers they've been getting, if any, but it's just wild that uh, Craig Kimbrell you know, someone of that caliber does not have anything to do, um, you know, like 10 days. Even Dallas Keuchel, yeah. it's like, well, And it's it's here? weird too, because you look at, you know, I think you could make the argument for the Cubs, but I, as we've discussed a lot, like I genuinely believe them. I agree when the Cubs say like, you know, we think we have the talent to do it. We've talked about a lot that, you know, that maybe shouldn't be enough for a team like the Chicago Cubs. They should maybe go for the kill. But I agree with them. Like, I think the team is good enough. Um, But there are some other teams, uh, especially in the NL, that jump out. Like, they could use another starter. They could use a big-time reliever. And you're looking at them going, like, what are you doing? Like, (laughs) you know, like, I'm not sure what you guys are doing here, but okay. Uh, Like, Cincinnati could use, you know, a starting pitcher like like Dallas Cowboys. Or, I mean, like, you know, you look at, like, Atlanta, who's got a lot of injuries. I think Fulte's dealing with an injury. They've had a couple other guys deal with injuries. And you're thinking, like, there's a couple guys just sitting there, man. Like, you can have them. like (laughs) You know, like. Philly. What happened happened to that stupid money? They spent $25 million, like, on Harper, which, you know, they committed three thirty, But $25 million is not that much against that luxury tax. Weird. Different definitions of stupid, I guess. But. So uh, a lay of a lay of the land here. Uh, if you guys are listening to this on Monday, the Cubs are off today. One of those uh, kind of rare spring training off days. Though we will have the uh, much anticipated. I say that not as a joke at all. Uh, Brandon Morrow getting back on the mound. So you know we don't have a spring training game, oh, Brendan, but we do have something to make us all really, really nervous uh, when it starts. Well, I wasn't even thinking about that until you brought yeah. it up. I, I, Sorry, I'm just gonna pause you right there. Like the past four recordings, you have like taken my role. I feel like you're worrying about Lester's. He's velocity. throwing the bullpen tomorrow. I don't control that. <laughs> you're the one who you're the one who said there's something to be nervous about. I guess you brought, so. You, 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 you want me that. to? I can maybe do a redo of that. Um, so the Cubs have uh, an off day tomorrow, Brendan, and man, I am pumped up. Brandon Morrow getting back on the mound. Go. He's going to be ready for 2019. I can't wait. Is that better? I'm nervous, man. <laughs> I don't want to see it. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't like imagine, imagine, imagine like the news we get. Like, oh, he's dealing with some unexpected sh- uh, elbow pain. Shut him down for you know no foreseeable immediate return. Like that's. That's what I'm expecting. Yeah. Well, and just, you know, to, for reference, like there are guys who that would be my reaction. Um, like it's not like I'm, <laughs> you know, worried about everything. But I think Morrow's one of those guys that like he warrants being a little worried about. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. Um, we we had the kind of like 
start, stop, start, stop thing last year where he was coming back, but then it was going to be a little later, but he was still going to be back by September. Then he was going to be back for the playoffs, mm. and then he was, you know, just completely shut down. So, you know, like when, when KB started swinging again, I think we said like, oh yeah, like KB's coming back, like we're ready. This, uh, you know, let's get him off the mound and healthy and then we can uh, go from there. But from that point, after Monday, the Cubs have eight days uh, of baseball left in the spring. A few split squad days in there, uh, but they play again on Tuesday the 19th and then they wrap up the Cactus League schedule on March 26th, a Tuesday, uh, against the Boston Red Sox. They are off on Wednesday and then, Brendan, it is time to go. They play the Texas Rangers at uh, what as long as my MLB app is not lying to me, uh, 3.05 in Chicago on Thursday, March 28th. So that is kind of the lay of the land here. I, If I were doing quick math, you know, that, that means we've got, uh, you know, one or two max appearances for some of these guys uh, for the rest of the time. I don't know if they'll all be in the games. Obviously, we've seen a couple of these guys just get their work in sim games. So we're really looking at kind of the last looks at at some of the pitchers especially I mean obviously the the position players will continue to get in there probably until the end but we're almost wrapping this up Brendan it's about time to uh put a close to spring training 2019 and and get things going here are you ready yeah I think so yeah I don't know if I am yet I'm into I'm, it I don't know yeah. I, I gotta see I, I don't I don't know I gotta see how this bullpen <laughs> How this health shapes out. If this, if they're going into this uh, season with four of those guys missing, with Barnett and Sedanio and Morrow and Strope and Brad Brock injured, I'm going to have some hesitation. I'm not going to lie. But, yeah, um, I mean, I think I'm more in the mindset of you know when we break all this down from an analytic or, or you know thoughtful based perspective, I would note a concern with the bullpen, right? But you know, yeah. I, once the season starts, I mean, I I I I don't know how you actually watch all the games we talk during them but i i can't be certain um how me personally how well i'm I just watch saying games? like when the regular season rolls around i'm not watching the game thinking oh man i'm concerned about this bullpen like if i were breaking it down i might have oh, built no. the bullpen in a different way but like once they start playing like i watch the nine innings they play and i react to those nine innings and what goes on on the field so i'm not really yeah, for me it, thinking for, like for that. me it's changed it's changed over the years. I think like when we first started the podcast, like during that 2016 year, I I watched the games as a barometer for future performance. Like I watched like those August games thinking, okay, this is what's going to happen in October. Okay. And that was just bad logic. Nowadays, I'm exactly like you. Like once they go out in that first inning, I don't care who's in that bullpen. I'm, I'm not thinking about that. I'm in, in complete denial. I think that team is the best team on the field better than all other 29 teams when they go out there and Amen. just start playing baseball. So like once that happens, then yeah, all the nerves go away from me. It's just the time in between games that kill me, especially those hard lost games. Like that night, those nights between the next game are just brutal for me. Yeah, no doubt. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm ready to get this going. I think, you know, we've talked about this before and I, I think we'll get into this Maybe a little more when we're doing the actual season previews, which I I would guess would be two parts again. We haven't really decided on that. Um, if you had any opinions on how we did it last yeah. year, we so what do we do? We last take year? We do like a hitting. We kind of broke it down like position by part, position. Right? We did pitchers one day, position players another, and I think yeah. we looked you know kind of at the rotation like pitcher by pitcher, went through the bullpen. I don't I don't know how I felt about it. I think maybe there's a less uh, like structured way of of doing that rather than looking at like every individual player and like talking about you know their projected ERA and whatnot but if you guys liked it we'll let us it know if you hated it let us know you know we can we can mix it up but I would imagine two days I'm not sure we can uh <laughs> you know get ourselves ready for a full season of Cubs baseball in just around one hour I think we'll we'll need more time than that but what I was going to say is you know maybe we'll get into this more but I am ready. I There are times where I pull myself back and I say, you know what? We're in another year of the Chicago Cubs playing really good baseball, being a competitive team, 
Pakoda be damned, right? A team projected to be <laughs> near the top of the division, top of the league. And I am I look forward to that. You and I, and obviously all Cubs fans, uh, but you and I are kind of obviously on the same uh, age scale, so it's easier to relate. We've watched some bad teams. We've gone into a lot of years with bad teams, knowing they were not going to be good, knowing they might be the worst team in the league. And so I look forward to these opening days. You know, it's it's a hope springs eternal type thing. Um, the, the Cubs are good. They're in a good place as an organization. And I am ready to get the regular season going while that while that is the case. It's especially sweet for me too, the, the last two seasons at least. Again, since you and I are in, are in LA, for me, I wear my World Series jersey, my World Series championship t-shirt, my World Series championship hat. And I mob right into yes. work with all my Dodger loser coworkers, and I got I got this huge World Series championship magnet that I have a whiteboard right next to my uh, my office area. That's going right up. That is like Christmas morning for me. And you know maybe I'll get one of uh, one of those World Series hats for these Dodger fans. Um, maybe a runner up, perhaps if they even make those. But that's that's what I look forward to the most is like like just you know strutting in and, and showing. Who is the team to be? Yeah, and I, and I think that, you know, that speaks to kind of too, like, this is a, a different era, and we talked about this, but like, this is not the, you know, we're like three seasons now removed from the Cubs winning the World Series. Like, this is not the organization that we all grew up with. It's just not, you know, this is not the lovable losers. This is not a team with uh, a big title drought hanging over them. Like, that's gone, folks. It's over. It's been years right? So like, yeah, I, so now, now, now that's the Dodgers thing. <laughs> right. I, <laughs> I well, it. really it's the Indians, but the Dodgers are, are getting there, but yeah, they're pretty close. Like, so yeah, like I'm enjoying being in this, this, you know, new era of Cubs baseball where they're just good and they're, they're a top team in the league. And, you know, look like it's been a long off season. It's been an interesting off season. They, they have questions, no doubt, but I'm ready to get it going because it's always fun to watch, uh, especially on day one, a Cubs team that, you know, we can go in legitimately thinking like, I expect this team to make the playoffs. I expect this team to be a contender for the World Series the World and Series. I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like that's what we all were hoping for all along. And so I I am definitely uh, ready for it. I Like, look, if, you know, Lester gives up eight runs on opening day, like I'll you know, be <laughs> just, just as miserable. And like you said, they have that off day oh, right boy. after. So to be perfect, to just sort yeah, of let the, the uh, let the misery just swell. But uh, for now, <laughs> at this moment, I'm, you know, very much looking forward to it. If Lesser gives up eight runs on that opening day, we're not recording that weekend. I don't know if I can do that. That's just too much anxiety for me. Well, if they win two out of three, we'll feel better. That would be different okay. than how they normally do it, losing that last one and letting us all just be upset, even though they still won two of three. But so this reverse this year, the, the reverse, they lose the, the first game. Yeah, yeah. Okay. you know what? If we're gonna do, if we're gonna lose one game per series, let it be the yeah. first game because that that last year that two sucked, out of three method. I, I usually hated works. that sour taste in my mouth after that series. That it really is a thing that they do. I I don't have this. I'm sure you can look at the Baseball Reference Play Index and figure this out. But I, they must have led the <laughs> league in in winning the first two and then losing that last game. I mean, Theo, they even did said talk that about too. that. Yeah. Like, yeah. So the getaway day. Uh, let's lineup. reverse that this year. That's the lay of the land, folks. So, like I said, I I think the plan will be uh, the midweek episode here. We'll we'll keep talking spring training. Um, hopefully, we have a very successful and positive Brandon Morrow update. Uh, Hopefully, as you're listening to this, that's already happened, and he's great, he's healthy, and they're moving up the timeline. He'll be ready for opening day. No, that's not going to happen, but we can hope for a, a good outing <laughs> at the very least. Um, but I think I think that's the plan for that, and then I would guess uh, the, the last two episodes of the spring uh, that Sunday, and maybe the, the last one will come out on Wednesday and not Thursday. We'll have to look into that uh, with the Cubs playing on Thursday. Um, but either way, I think those will be a couple hours worth of just hardcore season preview predictions, bold predictions, uh, things like that. And as you guys know, you can already expect this. Every year we talk about how worried we are about this, how concerned we are about that. Should they have done this? Should they have done that? You can pretty much book both Brendan and I to 
predict them to win at least 100 games, win the division by 1,000 <laughs> games, win the World Series. That's just how it is. Um, I, I think our, oddly enough, as for as weirdly negative as we spin sometimes and as concerned as we are, uh, overall outlook of the team, I think we're always very positive, sometimes to a fault. But I think our claim to fame, Brendan, is, and I don't even know if it's in the archives anymore. It's been so long. Uh, but if you listen to the episode we did during the stretch in 2016 where the Cubs were <laughs> awful, just awful, I think I literally oh God, say I verbatim, don't worry about it. It's every team goes through stretches like this. They will probably right the ship and win the World Series, and they do. So yeah, that's that's no longer in the archives. I have to go but it's spin real. that out of my hard drive somewhere. It's somewhere in my. It's in real. My, uh, it happened. So like we 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 get uh, nitpicky and whatnot at times, but I think overall outlook of the team, we're always for whatever reason very positive. Um, I don't know what that says about us, Brendan, but that's just. We had a pretty bad one there during September last year, and justifiably so. It ended up pretty bad three weeks later, but, you know, call us psychic or whatever, but we got a good feel for this team, I think. Somehow. Like. Yeah, somehow. Somehow. You, you Listening to us ramble on, you really wouldn't think it, but I think somehow we have our finger on the pulse of this uh, a little bit. But that's it. So, uh, yeah, uh, again, I think, you know, uh, especially with, with contrast to the last episode we did, uh, an uneventful spring training weekend is a good spring training weekend. We'll take it. Everybody looking healthy. Boring is starters, good. Starters uh, getting their work in, some good performances there, and I, I think things look good. So, uh, again, we are, as you guys are listening to this on Monday, 10 days away from the regular season starting. Uh, only eight days left of Cactus League games and, and split squads and things like that. And then the Cubs will be heading to Texas. So like I said, we will talk to you guys again in the middle of this week. And then we have two more episodes for you before uh, March 28th. And those will be season preview additions. We may have some special guests for you. We're still working on that. I don't know if you, you know, Evan's been on a lot. I, I consider him a special guest, but at this point, you guys might be kind of used to that. But I think Evan will be one of them, spoiler alert. But uh, that's about it. So uh, as always, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, thank you guys for the five-star reviews in the iTunes store. If you haven't done so already, uh, we would appreciate it. I There still will come a time uh, once the regular season starts that I think we'll, we'll do a, a giveaway of, of something. I have obviously something in mind. Um, for that, but uh, don't want to do that uh, in spring training. But if you haven't, uh, in the iTunes store, leave us a five-star review and a comment as to uh, what you just absolutely adore about Brendan and I. There's a litany of things. Mostly me. Hey, if it's all Brendan, that's fine. I I don't know that I've seen any only pro-Brendan reviews, but... I just saw one on CubsInsider.com. That was about your bio, not the podcast. That doesn't count. Which was all factual, by the way. It was. But either way, (laughs) whatever you enjoy about the podcast, uh, leave that note. We very much appreciate it. I have yet, Brendan, to figure out what it does for the podcast, uh, even in the iTunes store, but we're told it's something and we appreciate it. Like I said the last time, I read them sometimes and I'm like blown away at how nice you guys are. Um, So thank you for that. Um, And otherwise, we will talk to you in the middle of this week. So whether we are still debating spring training stats or the Cubs are playing a regular season game, go Cubs. Keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with Xfinity Internet. You'll get the best in-home Wi-Fi experience with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Get really into your favorite shows and movies all in one place with Flex, a 4K streaming box you get free with Xfinity Internet. Find what you want with your voice on Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus, and more. No more jumping in and out of apps. And get Peacock Premium at no additional cost. It's a way better way to watch. Learn more at Xfinity.com Flex. Restrictions apply requires postpaid Xfinity Internet excluding Internet Essentials, one device included. Subscriptions required to access streaming services.